Hello, folks, and welcome to another Loft Podcast. I have in studio Mr. John Perrell, uh, helicopter extraordinaire. Uh, I'd actually call him a, a professional stunt pilot in the uh, helicopter. We're going to talk about how he got started in aviation and uh, what he's currently doing, and uh, maybe even he'll sneak out some secrets at the end about what he's looking to do in the future. Please welcome Mr. John Perrell. <laughs> Mr. Perel, God damn it, I'm glad you're here. Mr. Yantos, it's been a while. <laughs> it has. I've been trying to get you in here forever. I know, I keep bugging you, but I appreciate you doing this. Oh, happy to be here. Yeah, Excellent. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, buddy. We're, uh, we're aviation themed, but that doesn't mean we don't get off on tangents, which I hope we do. And I know it's 11 o'clock. We are having a beer. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to you. Delicious IPA. I yeah. believe you know this young man. I am. I'm a big fan of Stone <laughs> and uh, Greg Cook and then all the other stuff he's got going there. But uh, yeah, I actually, I walked in with my uh, Stone Berlin hat. I saw that. That was perfect. I was like, you know what? That's perfect because that's exactly what I got in the podcast studio <laughs> is frosty beverages from Stone. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, aviation. What, what got you into it? Man, it was actually, it was really funny. Uh, my father has been going, he's nostalgic right now, a lot of things going on with the family, and uh, has been showing me a lot of old pictures. And he, John Perrell Sr.? Sr., yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that's, we're on to John Perrell third now yeah. with, with my own. <laughs> Congrats. But uh, yeah, we uh, were looking at some old photos, and he had something from like a fifth grade album or something, and it says, who, who are you friends with, what do you like, and what do you want to be? Right. And at five years old, I said I wanted to be a pilot. Nice. So, nice. It, you know, that was the first time that I'd ever really seen that. But then, like, going through all this, I, I realized there was a lot of indoctrination. And right. It, my PJs, you know, I was rocking aviation gear and Even stuff. Better. So. Even better. That's a good start. Because your dad was into it as well, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's a commercial pilot. And he, uh, um, excuse me, I know he's IFR. I don't believe he got his commercial. Okay. Um, but introduced me to aviation at a young age. And I actually, I started to learn how to fly before I learned to drive. Yeah. And, uh, That's so, the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Just got a, a nice start to it, and uh, so yeah. cruising around with him. And you guys were, were were you in Hawaii yet, or you were still here in California? Stuart, uh, yeah, in California, flying out of Camarillo, okay. uh, CMA, and uh, cool spot. I mean, oh, God, with yeah. all the bombers and you know, Waypoint <laughs> still <Captain>. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, really enjoyed it, and was having fun with aviation, but didn't really have that hook set. Um, the, there wasn't anything that, that I, I was really enthralled with. It really was like learning a new language. Right. You know, it was, it, it was a little overwhelming. Sometimes you knew what was going on. Sometimes you didn't. All right. All right. <laughs> and, uh, and with college and other stuff that going on, it just, it wasn't my focus. I, I couldn't spend a lot of time there. Right. Uh, um, until actually I had a friend in college that introduced me to helicopters. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And that changed my life. Uh, Can you briefly touch on that story? Because it's a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, um, I mean, it sounds like it's right out of a James Bond film or something else ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Which is why I want you to tell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you can name names if you want or not, whatever you want to do. Yeah. I've got a very good friend, uh, Arturo Segura, and he lives down in uh, Central America. He's actually in El Salvador. And uh, we all went to Pepperdine together. We had a, a group of friends that were there. And uh, he, he said to me, you know, you got to come down to El Salvador for surfing. Right. We've got great surf. Yes, yes, they do. And uh, so I was fired up, jump on a plane and uh, get down there and realize that I actually I needed to have um, some of the extra documentation that was necessary to, to get into the country. Okay. And, it, you know, I figured no big deal, pay somebody. And uh, 
And I watched these two guys, and it was, uh, I, I might as well have been a Median or something. I mean, these guys <laughs> looked like straight drug cartel, the glasses, the hunting vest, the whole thing right, with right. semi-automatic machine guns or submachine they guns. They are absolutely listening to this right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys walk in and had had seen what was kind of going on and show me a sign, John Varel. And, it, of course, it's like the J-O-N sure. with a V, whatever. Yeah. I'm kind of looking at him, not sure if I actually want to claim it. <laughs> and, just walk uh, past him. Yeah, and, and so I, I, one guy kind of eyes me up, gives me the nod, and, and I said, I'm John, and, you know, hands me a telephone. And I uh, pick up the phone. I'm like, this is John. You know, what's going on? At this point, and, you have no idea. I don't know. I, I yeah. really have no clue what's about to happen. And uh, so Art you know, gets on the phone. He's really brief, and I wasn't sure what was going on. It was kind of noisy, and, and uh, he goes, just go with them. Everything's okay. Don't worry. So at this point, I'm you're committed. I'm just you're trusting committed. Yeah. You know, I, you're I, committed. You know, <laughs> I'm in a foreign country. I, I don't have the proper documentation, and uh, I, I grab my bags, literally a backpack, and uh, and I'm waiting for my surfboards. And the guys look at me like tablet. You know, they're going to grab my boards, and uh, they walk me out to a armored car and uh, <laughs> a Toyota Land Cruiser, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and we go ripping through the countryside. When was it that first time that we hit a dog? I don't know. You can <laughs> leave that out. That's all right. <laughs> Poor dog's got nothing yeah. to do with the story. <laughs> they didn't swerve. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't think so. I think that's where you were going with that. Yeah. yeah. So um, we end up driving up into the mountains, and these guys basically, and I have enough Spanish that I was able to get the gist of what was going on, but they basically said, get out of the car. Nice. And I'm looking around. I'm in the Dude, middle. Dude, at this point, I'd be slightly concerned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, at this point, I am concerned. Yeah. Because <laughs> they took the phone with them, too, <laughs> they right? They took the phone. Yeah. I'm looking at my cell phone. I've got no service. <laughs> I'm just hoping I've got enough battery to figure out how to get back to where I'm right. You know, Civilization, or see if there's any edible fruits sitting around. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what I do notice is that I'm on a ca- coffee plantation, and I'm just everything's going through my head. Every movie that I've seen, you know, <laughs> no. you're about to be buried. Yeah, yeah. and uh, kind of off in the distance, I hear a helicopter, and don't really put two and two together until I see this helicopter coming right at me. And we, it was a decent sized lot, but comes down, sets down right there, and that's you cool. know, tucking the hat down, kind of looking what's coming at me. And, uh, and I see my buddy Art waving me over. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it was, he was in a Robinson, an R44. Right. And uh, so run over, jump into the bird, and I look at him, and I'm like, dude, you fly? <laughs> you had no idea. <laughs> had no clue. And, uh, I mean, this is a guy that, that shares a teal, like, Volkswagen rabbit with two other guys. Sure. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. The sneaky <laughs> ones. <Yeah>. So <laughs> I had no idea where he was coming from economically or anything else. Right. And then realizing that basically he's almost like the prince of, you know, El yeah. Salvador. Yeah. There's no kingdom or anything. I but, got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, get the re- I get the reference. Yeah. And uh, so jump in and he goes, yeah, let me show you my country. Is it the first time you've yeah. been in a helicopter? And then, it is not the first time I'd been in a helicopter. It was the first time I'd ever had a friend flying one. Sure. Okay. And, uh, and it was my first time in Central America seeing it. Yeah. And so he, he said, you know, I've got to show you a volcano. And I kind of laughed. Dude, I'm from Hawaii. You don't need to show me a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we go over and we're flying around the borders. And he flies me up to this volcano. And in this volcano is a lake. And on this lake, there's an island. Oh, 
and he's got a house on it. Oh my god! It sounds like you're making this shit up. <laughs> I know. I know. I really. <laughs> I, hence I, the helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Hence the helicopter. And uh, they they had a couple of things that happened with uh, their family, and uh, I guess his grandfather had been held up at gunpoint. Okay. And so they wanted to make sure that everybody was safe, and and so That'll everybody kind of learned how to fly and get around the country in different ways. How cool is that? But so um, you were gonna you you stayed at that house. We did. We stayed at that house for a little bit. We went down to the beach house, stayed there for a while, right. did some surfing, and uh, had a lot of fun. God, uh, that's cool. But that was my introduction to helicopters, and that was the first time that I'd ever grabbed the controls. Okay. And they've got that little T-bar set up on the Robinson. And, right. Uh, so Very unique it, to the Robinson, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a throwover yoke. It is a throwover, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it. I guess it is. it has some of that throwback aviation to it. Sure. Um, it just looked cheesy and flimsy, uh, flimsy to me. Yeah, it, it still does. I think it's held on by a cotter pen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Truly. So is the tail, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> Which is why you've never owned a Robinson. <laughs> this is true. I have had a couple failures with them, um, but you know, actually got to go out and grab the controls. And fortunately, he didn't give me the collective, but had the cyclic, and wasn't on the pedals, and just because you had flown before, so you knew what you were you were doing. I've flown airplanes before, right? So. You know, I said, come on, helicopters, this can't be ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. and I was so wrong. <laughs> and and that, that moment right there was when it just set the hook. It, you know, Art had kind of got off the controls, let me grab the stick, and just trying to hover, I had to look over to make sure that he wasn't messing with me. Right. Because there was so much movement, so much, you know, going on, and he's literally only giving me one of the three controls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that that's really cool. So you got hooked right then and there. That was it. That All was right. my intro to helicopters. And did you come back and immediately start uh, doing lessons, or did that take a little while? Or, I mean, as far as you said, college was kind of your primary at that yeah. point. Yeah, so I was still in school, and uh, and I honestly I didn't have the money to to get into aviation, yeah, especially <laughs> helicopters. Holy yeah. shit. So uh, it wasn't until a bit later that I I really got focused on it uh, from. From college, I ended up moving over to Hawaii and got very big into the waterman scene, uh, outrigger canoe paddling, big wave surfing. and, and uh, That'll be distracting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I went from, you know, study to water, and then it wasn't until I moved back to California that I really got focused on That's aviation. a perfect time to do that stuff, too. I mean, yeah. you just, you know, that's you're not doing that now. No, no. You, you choose the, uh, the elements, you know, for where you are. Right, right. <laughs> So you actually went uh, to get your certificates. You actually did the helicopter route to begin with. Your dad, you flew fixed wing with your dad a lot, but then yep. you went into the helicopter. When did you end up doing that? Uh, man, I'd actually I'd have to check dates and stuff, but it would have probably been right around 2003, 2004. Okay. Uh, that I, I and you did it the right way. You went out into the real world, made a few pennies, and then came back into aviation as opposed to trying to make a living in aviation. Did you ever think about being a pilot for a career? I had not. No, I, I did. Uh, I kind of bounced around the idea of, of joining the military and, and going that route. Yeah. But uh, my father wanted to make sure that I had a college degree and, and did those things beforehand. Which Good, good call. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate thank that, you. Pop. <laughs> thank you, John <laughs> Sr. <laughs> good call on that one. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I can't, I think it's one of those things that they always say about aviation. You know, how do you make a little bit of money with it? And just start, start with a lot. A lot. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm doing that today. Excellent. I'm, I'm spending as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we commiserate constantly about all the costs of the, the Air Force. Uh, I, I have three aircraft right now. Two of them are down. 
Brilliant. <laughs> it's, Brilliant. You know, so it's it's a constant thing, but uh, you know, it, it's a passion. Yeah. You know? So and, and you kind of, um, once you got into the helicopter scene, I think you relatively quickly, if I'm not mistaken, got into the 500, the Hughes 500. I did. Which is a beautiful machine. Yeah. Um, you wear that thing. I've been with you. I just, I cannot say enough about how it is that you move that thing around the sky. Um, what, what do you like about that, that, that helo? No. You can't carry shit, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. I, um, the 500 is, as you say, I wear it. It's small. It's compact. I, I believe it was one of the first helicopters that was a one-to-one ratio. Uh, I, I know that that was one of the designs. They wanted to make sure that it lift, lifted it as much as it weighed. So Interesting. T- so okay. twice the weight. Yeah, because it, uh, it, it saw some serious action in Vietnam. Absolutely, yeah, um, which that was another Low thing. Level Hell is Low Level Hell. You health. told me about that book, and yeah. I read it, and I, I literally sat down and read it cover to cover. I mean, if you if you get a chance, you got to go out and read that book because it's it's unbelievable. That that did that that was one of those things when I heard that and read about it and understood what the five hundred was about and went back and watched a lot of the uh, the military training you know videos. Right, little birds is what they called them in Vietnam, birds, right? Yep. yep. Uh, well, little bird, I I think you I'm, can check me on that, dude. Yeah, I'm not sure when when that that <laughs> name came out. I don't want to start bullshitting over here. Yeah. It, that, yeah, it was because I got that from the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know that to be the fact. So uh, when when did the Hughes 500 become a little bird? Maybe we'll look that up. But anyways, yeah, OH6. Yeah, um, and and they were primary. I mean, they used them for. Um, they were actually attack helicopters too, right? They had rockets and, and guns on them. That wasn't until later. They, they oh. were really observation helicopters. They were, they were trying to spot the movement. And so they would go in with a 500, get shot at, and then they'd have a Cobra attack helicopter come in and ah, clean up. Got it. Okay. Um, so they'd kind of fly as pairs. Yeah. <laughs> totally unarmored too. Wait, he, yeah. he crashed twice in one day, the guy that wrote that book? I believe it was three. Three times, right. And just kept three, going back and yeah, get another three one. separate times, get another, fly back out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good book anyways. You got to read it. Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you went in right into the 500. So that was essentially you didn't even really do too much in the. Uh, did you actually get your certificates in the Robinson? I did. Yeah. So I, I uh, started with Robinson. I, I started in an R22. I think as most people do. Um, and because of my size, I actually had a difficult time with it. it uh, I'm, you know, 220 pounds, six foot two, and uh, the only way I was able to fly it was with a female instructor or a very lightweight instructor. Right. Right. And with the doors off, okay. I, I literally didn't fit in the helicopter. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, so, <laughs> uh, getting out of that and getting in the old Hughes two six nines or the Schweitzer three hundred, whatever you want to call oh, them, right. or Sikorsky now, um, it, I I actually enjoyed that flight a bit more, um, and that actually had to do more with the rotor system. Okay, and that's when I started to learn about. You know, teetering, fully articulated, uh, all the different rotor systems were out there. It just felt different to you. Um, Yes. It, not only did it feel different, the hovering, everything else, but what you can do. Okay. Um, and, and being able to low G, low G pushovers and, okay. and uh, to maneuver the helicopter in much more. Oh, right. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're cruising along and you try to push over a hill in an R22 or R44, the, the, the rotor's gone. Right? It's just going to depart yeah. the, the helicopter. Well, the helicopter typically wants to roll over and it won't come back. And Got that, it. they found that in uh, Vietnam with the Hueys. Oh, the, that's right. I heard about it. Because it's two, uh, the, the two, the, the two blade two rotor system. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So that teetering rotor system uh, does not like being unloaded. Got it. Because uh, they would do the same thing nap of the earth, push over, and the things would just yep. r- roll over, or the rotors would go. Typically roll over. Okay. Yeah. You, you typically roll over and you can't get it back. Um, so, yeah, that, that was uh, the first time my eyes were open to the different rotor systems and what they could do. 
So uh, the Hughes was was a nice transition for me. And knowing that I like that, then I'll, you know I think we always go for we want more power. Sure. And so I started looking around and and found the the 500, and particularly the C model, uh, not just for the entry price, but the lightness of touch. Uh, that was the only one with the four-bladed rotor system. Uh, after that, we go to a D and E and F and double F and everything else beyond that. Those all have five blades. And uh, because it's uh, not hydraulically assisted, it, you know, you feel all that inertia. So that 500C is really light touch. It's a lot of fun to fly, really maneuverable. And it's the smallest, tightest package of that group. Right. And, uh, and now I've enhance the motor and done everything I can to it. So it's uh, <laughs> it's like a rebuilt 57 Chevy now, though, man. Precisely. Come on. You just keep it forever. I will. You get, in fact, if it was me, I'd just be buried in it. Because <laughs> at this point, you committed to it. Oh, yeah. I wanted to come back on that, too, because I didn't quite understand it. Um, the From the rotor standpoint, the C to the D, you're saying that uh, you can actually tell the difference with the added rotor Absolutely. in there. You can actually feel it, or it, yes. and, and you don't like it. Um I still like it. I think that I, honestly, I think the D model is probably the magic model of ah, 500. Okay, um, I'm not a fan of the the echoes as much. Uh, and then because the, of the tail, the way the tail looks, the the pointy nose. Um, uh, right. It, actually, I, I think it was a marketing idea because it, it doesn't actually fly better, does it, it? It doesn't. It porpoises, and so when they first started flying that, uh, they ended up adding on little winglets and strafes surfboards and, and strafes and all these yeah. different things to to try Stop to correct it. it. Yeah. yeah. So that round nose, and I, I think you see it even in the military. Uh, you know, most of the military little birds <laughs> today are still being flown round nose. Sure. So, but are they now the new ones that are producing have the the pointy nose? Uh, I believe the military, specifically the U.S. military, is using all round noses. Uh, Makes sense. Ev- everything we export has a pointy nose. <laughs> and it looks like that name, Little Bird, too, was 1980 with the MH6. Oh, okay. When it came about. Got yeah. it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and and mine's a 72. So, well before that. Nice. And so you you've decided that you did not want to upgrade to a D model just because you love that C model so much. The the D is awesome. It, it holds an extra five hundred. You know, I can lift an extra five hundred pounds, um, and it is a little bit faster. But that's just not how I use that aircraft. Um, I'm not doing external load. I'm not doing any utility work. I don't need that that extra weight. Got it. And as you know, there's no space in that helicopter. No. <laughs> No. So to add an extra 500 pounds of <laughs> capability, it doesn't buy me anything. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, and having that finesse, that light touch is, is more important to me. Right. Uh, yeah. It's just an amazing helicopter. I mean, I tried on numerous occasions now to try to hover that thing. To no success. Uh, you're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a completely different philosophy. My brain, I've been flying fixed wings my entire career, so my brain just won't let me get there. I, I get it. Repetition is the answer. But um, I just, I literally, when somebody tried to, to ask me, you know, why are you having issues with this? It's because that, and when you go backwards in that thing, it, yeah. it, it makes my stomach turn. I just, <laughs> I can't fathom that. It doesn't process. So the fact that that thing can stop at zero airspeed and then being able to maintain that hover, it, it just messes with my brain. I'd have to either seg, segregate into a different area of my brain or just push through that membrane and try to do it. But I really would like to, to continue to try to do that just because I think it's a – because you transitioned into fixed wing, and I'd love to transition into some sort of helo stuff just to be able to say that I could hover once. I, I have no <laughs> doubt that you could do that. Uh, it, you definitely have the touch. Uh, As we know, it, it's one of those things that it's uh, – 
It's a mental block. Yeah. You know, and I've seen too, there. just in your case, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, that if you start with helicopters and then go to fixed wings, you have a much lighter touch on the controls. Your ability to be gentle and easy with the airplane once you get to fixed wing comes over from the helos, and it's the best characteristic to take from the, the helo side of it because that's what most people do. Is In my case, I was over-controlling the helicopter phenomenally, you know, at the highest <laughs> level, right? And I'm trying to be really sensitive and really, you know, smooth on the control. So if you start from the helo stuff and go to the fixed wing, I think it makes a huge difference. We had, even here at Loft, we got guys that come in that have transitioned to the jet world uh, that come from helicopters, either military or civilian. And you can tell the difference. It's amazing how calm and quiet and collective they are on the controls. And I think it's a good transition. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it does require a light touch. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, then we uh, you did the helo stuff, and then you got into the fixed wing market. Yeah. And hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Bought yourself a Cirrus and couldn't get rid of that thing fast enough. I've never seen anything sit out in the corner and get so much dust on it. I said, why don't you fly that thing? And your yeah. comment was, guess I'll run another checklist. <laughs> that was my favorite quote. Honestly, I, I, I still feel that way today about fixed wing. <laughs> no. I agree. Uh-huh. Hey, you just can't do the same stuff as you can in the helicopter. Yeah. You know, nape of the earth legally is really fun, you know, but in the fixed wing, you're going to jail, so you can't do it. Yeah. You know, uh, but in the helicopter, you know, doors off, cruising down a canyon, there's nothing like that in fixed wing aviation. I agree. It's Unless you're military, and then even then, you're going so bloody fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I get it. I get it completely. So you didn't have that very long. Got you, you shit can that thing. Yeah, I got my IFR ticket, and uh, as soon as I did, got rid of it as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy the critical phases of flight. Right. Uh, you know, takeoffs, landings. It, I, I like that precision stuff that requires Challenging. really high focus. You know, something that, and I think that's what drew me to, to helicopters, as I uh, was watching other students and other people learn at the time. You know, everybody was doing approaches or, you know, just picking up and hovering and and trying to get a feel for that. And and what I really wanted to do was find out how big that rotor system is. Oh, right. How close can I get to the tree before I hit it? Yeah. And so what if I hit a couple tree, you know, <laughs> limbs or branches? I, I, I've you know? seen it happen, John. I've seen it happen. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the one skid landings, you, you know, really – getting a, a touch and feel for exactly what that aircraft will do um, was something that I was really drawn to. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, even getting in the pattern and just doing, you know, pedal turns and messing with the wind and finding out when you're going to run out of pedal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really learning that aircraft. Uh, it, I, I think that's what I've enjoyed about helicopters is um, until the L-39, I had never felt anything that uh, – that gave me the type of feedback that I wanted in fixed wing. Right. Because I had never gone that route. Yes, not many people have. Yeah. 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 For those listening, John and I bought an L-39 together because I, I, I said, you know what we should do? We should buy a fighter jet. That's what we should do because <laughs> it just seemed like the thing to do. So we did. <laughs> and we I got, needed that nudge. I wanted the push. Yes, 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 yes. We, and it was a great experience. Some of it we can talk about. Some of it we probably can't talk about. <laughs> I did actually end up having uh, Shane Phillips, who was our uh, L-39 mechanic. He came in here and did the podcast. And we may have touched on some of the subject of buying that airplane. <laughs> we may have told a few few stories about a certain individual that <laughs> I wasn't even allowed to talk to. You, you you sent me out to the ramp. You go, go sit out on the ramp. I'll talk to this guy. Uh, yeah, Top Cat was definitely a character. <laughs> Top Cat was there. He's probably out there still just raising hell. Yeah. Uh, um, so we went out. We got this airplane. Uh, I, I, I had a hoot with it. I mean, I thought uh, for sure um, that it was going to be something that we would really tear the wings off of. And funny enough, 
having spent so much time in the 500 with you that I was even surprised at the fact that when you made the realization, you know what, the 500 is still way more fun than this. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to be possible until I, I did both. And you're right. It yeah. just is. There's just the, the What you can do in the 500 is so significantly different in aspect, in control, in um, just flat-out excitement than, than a fighter jet. And, and anybody that's listening to this is like, this guy's out of their fucking minds. There's yeah. no way. No, it's true. It really is. And I don't care. You know, we're out there pulling 7, 8 Gs, yeah. you know, trying to whip the, rip the wings off this thing. And um, it's not as fun as the 500. But that being so stated, we still had quite an enjoyable time with that thing. You still have it. I punched out. You got it still. I, yeah, I love it. And I'm, I hope it wasn't my flying that made you punch out. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I know. No, I know. I'm, I put I'm us still in that a, situation. I'm, I'm still in the working phase, and sometimes you got to rob from Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Q4 was a little light. Yeah. No, no, all good. Uh, and uh, so we actually got that the the previous owner was Frank Borman, the astronaut, which yeah. is kind of some neat lineage on that thing. Uh, just pristine airplane. Um, tell me from your standpoint, things you like about it, things you don't. You know, just flying it. I mean, the L39. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, the things I like about it. It looks cool. Oh, that's fact. <laughs> it looks fast. It's it, it's it's an Instagram dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it flew half as well as it looked, man, that would be yeah. quite an aircraft. Yeah. Um, but it's been great, you know. It, it's and what you're referring to is is, is it, it, lack it, of power. It's just underpowered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and I I think that was the the thing. You know, you just you look at a fighter jet, and I think I'm throwing on afterburners and flying to the moon. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's just not the case. Yeah. You are. Uh, you're looking for uh, some terminal aerobatics with right. that. You know, you really have to power management and, and uh, you know, as as you and I have talked about, you know, doing loops in that is kind of a joke. <laughs> it just it takes up the absolutely the entire sky and every bit of energy that you can generate from 17,999 feet <laughs> to sea level to pull that thing up and over. Um, getting back to what you're saying, too, on the, you know, what your brain tells you. And what actually happens is one of the one of the first times you and I went out and, and did some aerobatics in this thing, and I think in your thought process, and we, I just, I, I felt like I just walked into a bear trap. It never even occurred to me, <laughs> you know. We go out there and we're cruising along straight and level, and your thought process was, I just want, I just want to go vertical. I'm like, all right, yeah, let's go vertical in this thing. So you know, <laughs> we top gun that shit, pull a stick in the lap, going vertical, and we're going through about sixty knots and. I guess at that point, I decided I was going to ask you what your plan was. <laughs> hey, John, what's the plan here? And you literally said over the intercom, oh, I have no plan. <laughs> you, you were my out. <laughs> As the airspeed goes click to zero, oh, shit. <laughs> so that was our first tail slide. <laughs> and I didn't think you were – I thought that was okay. I didn't think yeah. that was a problem. No, <laughs> yeah, it was a problem. <laughs> it was a problem. But it's it's interesting though because I think it, it it translates to my philosophy or my thought process on how easy it would be to hover versus how easy it would be just to go vertical until you know the the you know the the energy stop and you'd be able to do something with it. Not necessarily the case on both. So I think it's good you know that going back and forth between rotorcraft and fixed wing has a lot of advantages on both sides. Oh, absolutely. Um, what do you what do you not like about the L thirty nine? Oh, that was other what than I we liked. just mentioned. Shoot, oh, yeah, right. that was what I liked. You, pre <laughs> I prefaced it by saying, "What do you like about the airplane?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> if it flew as well as it looked, you said. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, I think it, it is the power stuff. You know, if that had a couple extra thousand pounds of thrust, yeah. <laughs> and would, they are working on that. I mean, they're trying to. Even Shane's trying to get a seven thirty one in that thing. There, it lightens the airplane up. We'll see what happens. There's one that's operating right now that they they have. 
you know, they're posting some pretty decent numbers. It'll uh-huh. be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to retrofit that. So, I mean, you know, at some point you might be able to retrofit it if that. If you, uh, I just don't see it. Doing it it's, it's just funny, you know. You, you take a, a relatively uh, and they are inexpensive a, aircraft. It is, and you make it a very expensive aircraft yeah. pretty quickly. All right, and yeah. that, and, and not necessarily it's proportional to what you get out of it. No, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it may just become a planner box. <laughs> and I think what you're referring to is is that acquisition costs is still astonishingly low for a civilian to go out and buy an honest to god fighter jet, and they're still using them today. Uh-huh. Um, the acquisition cost is astonishingly low. As we learn, maintenance can be pretty awe-inspiring, um, <laughs> and all the values in the motor, you know, because that motors are they're kind of throwaway motors, thousand hours, chuck them in the trash type of deal. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you you ended up with the a Bocal B105. Yeah. Yeah. Got the B105. That's the uh, the the family caravan. You can put anything you want in that thing. <laughs> it is <laughs> twelve I, uh, kids in a barbecue. I liken it to a, like a Ford Raptor. You know, it, it is that pickup truck that. Has all the performance and everything you might want, and, yep. and then some. Two motors. Uh, two motors. You got the yeah. the Rolls Royce or the Allison, uh, the C20 in there. Uh, it's the same as in the 500, correct? Exactly. Yeah. I have three of those motors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you might as well buy a couple more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way you eat through them. Jeez, <laughs> that, that's really the compressors, but. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that that actually has been my issue with the uh, the 105. That the Bocal is uh, it's an amazing aircraft. If any of you have seen the James Bond films, you know, they're looping and barrel rolling yeah. or Red Bull. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to uh, train with Chuck Aaron and Kevin Bredenbeck. And, I'd love to talk about that know. a little bit. Yeah. 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 So you, you how did you run into Chuck Aaron? Um, I mean. Small community, obviously. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't know this. Colin, you might have to check. But from what I understand, there's only 30,000 civilian helicopter pilots in the, in the U.S., Oh, I buy, I buy that, yeah. So it's a tiny number, and uh, and he's actually based up at Camarillo, uh, some of my old stomping grounds. And, uh, and we have similar friends and likes and interests and managed to, you know, connect there. Uh, he is just a genuinely, like, nice guy. You know, he, he takes the time to come over, look you in the eye, check out what you got going on, and and just BS. That's awesome. And That's awesome. So, uh, I mean, I... Which I, is great for this industry as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt an immediate rapport there, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure... And a it, love of aviation, yeah. which comes through. Yep. Yeah. So, and, you know, he liked 500, so I, before I even had my 105, it, he and I had met up, and I had had a tra- chance to fly with him a little bit, and... Uh, it wasn't until later with the Hurt School, the helicopter outside recovery training. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he but, does that up in Camarillo. He, yep. he doesn't do it anymore. No, no, they they sold that, and uh, unfortunately, I, I'm really sad to see that go. I think that's it's invaluable. A, it's invaluable. Oh yeah. my gosh. Good lord. Yeah. Just uh, for the same reason in the fixed wing side. I mean, ninety percent of our crashes are all loss of control. Yeah. Same thing in helos. I gotta assume. Oh yeah. 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 Even worse. It, it, it departs plenty much of, quicker. Plenty of YouTube videos to indicate that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so you actually re- had a chance to go through that and on several occasions to, to go through and do aerobatics in the 105. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, a rigid rotor system uh, that has a full titanium head. And that helicopter doesn't mind being upside down that's at unbelievable. all. So, yeah, I you, would hate to have been the first person to do it, though. Oh. God bless you, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good yeah, Lord. Uh, Chuck wasn't the first to do it. Um, that was happening uh, in Europe for quite a while. And, uh, in fact, the, the chief test pilot at, was it Measureschmidt at the time? Bocal Boeing, Measureschmidt. It might have been Eurocopter or whatever. But the, the, the chief test pilot ended up dying in a 105. Oh, wow. 
and he it's one of those YouTube things you can see and um, I don't know if you've ever noticed when we fly the 105 I'm, I'm more aggressive going left than I am right yes right and so if you exceed the angle of bank by your airspeed so if I'm doing 90 knots and I do more than a 90 degree turn I will not be able to bring the aircraft back into a straight and level without lowering the collective interesting so so if you're out of collective you're dead yep yeah, so it, the uh, the tail rotor is up higher than the main rotor system, uh, and it just it allows that aircraft to depart uh, controlled flight, rel- not relatively easily. I mean, but it did kill, kill the chief yeah. pilot. Well, there's only uh, one so, way to figure that out is actually to have it happen to. Yeah, you. yeah, and unfortunately, that was during a demonstration. It's on video. It was all low level, and and uh, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. So. so they were actually doing that early on. Realize that that helicopter had aerobatic ability. Yep. Is that I don't know. I ain't yeah. say that. You yeah. know? <laughs> and then Chuck kind of sucked that over and and kind of took it at least ten steps further than that because when you watch some of his shows, holy, I had no idea a helicopter could even do any of those things. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's amazing to see what I mean. Talk about wearing an aircraft. Yeah, you know, he, he's uh, he's another level, and to see it go on, Aaron Fitzgerald, uh, he's he's the new Red Bull helicopter pilot. Excellent. And watching the the new maneuvers that he's coming up with, and and what you can do with it, it's it's awe inspiring. You know, it is. It's That's amazing. great. That it's continuing too. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I, I'm glad to hear that. You know, I grew up. I I watched air shows. I, I remember going out and seeing the SR seventy one. You know. <laughs> All these cool jets and and aircraft and you know it, I don't think that we need inspiration. You know I I, I think we're missing that and that's I'm a little worried about that. I've been talking about it recently too. That it's it's are, concerning. Charge. Yep. Yeah. You know it's a real thing and it, you know it's just it's when they keep talking about shutting down these air shows too. It's like that's a huge mistake and, and the military should know better. I mean their yeah. biggest draw for you know recruitment is air shows. Always has been. You know, the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds are, are directly responsible, I'm sure, for hundreds of thousands of people signing up to the military. I'd hate to see the air shows go away. You know, even with sometimes you get the accidents and such, I, I, I get it. But hopefully they'll continue, you know, not insurancing those things out yeah. until they don't do them anymore. Because you're right. I mean, for kids like we were, I'd hate to have not seen that because I wouldn't have been motivated to be well, a pilot in the it, least. Without the exposure, I don't know how you... You know, yeah, how would you know? Never find that how would you know? Yeah. Not all of us get picked up on a helicopter on a, on a hill in a <laughs> coffee plantation. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board. How do I do this? <laughs> so I guess what I would say, too, is is that um, if I were introducing you, I would introduce you as a stunt pilot. Because essentially that you did a lot and still do a lot of stunt activity in, in the 500 and continue to do still a lot of your stuff's online, which is, uh, you know, just freaking awesome to watch. Um, one of the coolest things I've ever seen is, uh, and I can only assume that nobody's done it uh, since or before, is the the skate grind in the 500. <laughs> That's really cool. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, what? Absolutely. How'd you get it? How'd you get involved in that? Yeah. So um, Bob Burnquist, he's a skateboarder. Uh, in fact, I think he's probably the most winningest medalist ever uh, for X Games, and uh, he's. He and I are similar age, and uh, we met here at Palomar Airport. Because uh, he, he's a pilot as well, right? He's a pilot as well. And uh, and I, I think that was what really allowed us to, to take it to where we did. Is, Good collaboration. Yeah, having yeah. that collaboration, having the understanding of kind of what needed to be done. Um, and he's just a phenomenal athlete, yeah. you know, to yeah. – to put it any other way, I mean, to walk, I've seen him skydive. He defines commitment. Seen, yeah. He just defines commitment. Just go. I mean, just to, go. to define that commitment 
and one of the things that you'll see, uh, we're hovering over the mega ramp. The mega ramp, the, the quarter pipe is 28 to 30 feet from the deck to the top of the coping. <laughs> so its own proportions are ridiculous. Um, and then for me to be hovering above that uh, eight or 10 feet or whatever we were and to have him jump off, it was... And he didn't uh, practice that. You guys just thought about it, came up with the idea, and, and then he just he went for it. Yeah, I mean, he he's jumped off ladders or yeah. goalposts or <laughs> other things, but but to have that dynamic situation, to, to be in that... Um, and what you're talking about is you're hovering over the ramp, he's sitting on the skids, he just basically drops in to his mega ramp off the helicopter. Off the helicopter, yeah. yeah. So I really, I had about a inch and a half either way. Um, if I if I went too far to the right, he would hit the coping or hit the the deck and then fall 28, 30 feet. Right, right. <laughs> or if I moved too far to the left, then he would miss the transition completely and just fall flat. <sighs> so getting back to that commitment, it, you know, here's Bob standing on the outside of the helicopter, looking over the edge. I'm looking at him, and actually we had FA right in front of us, the yeah, yeah. San Diego Fizdo, <laughs> giving me a <laughs> shout nod. out, yeah. shout out to them. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and we, you know, we were just trying to keep everything as precise as possible. It was his choice when he jumped, and you know, he was he was checking it, he was watching it, and one of the first times that he jumped off, I just I look over, and it was just flailing. I mean, he he stepped off, and you just watch those arms oh, cartwheeling. God, and especially with the downwash as well from the the rotor system. Everything just go, going against yeah. you. And I watched him hit that deck, and I was like, oh, I just broke Bob. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I just broke off. He's done. <sighs> and so sat down next to him. I, you know, I've got my arm going across my neck. You know, are, are we done? Is this over? Right. And he runs over, grabs a headset, and he goes, hurry up. We got to get this done before the swelling sets in. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Navy SEAL. Yeah. <laughs> He's a SEAL. <laughs> so it was it was impressive to see the dedication and, yeah. and drive that he had to, to do all of them. But we ended up pulling off uh, five or six uh, tricks and maneuvers. Right. And, and that stuff's all online. You can go look at it. Yeah, it's uh, Oakley Dreamland. Uh, right. Uh, you can find that. and uh, YouTube? YouTube, yeah, okay. yeah, YouTube. You can put Bob Burnquist, Dreamland, Oakley Dreamland, all that, and uh, that'll pop up. But And it's the last part of the video. Uh, right. I think there's some, well, there's six, six and a half minutes of Bob doing incredible skateboarding yeah. before that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's another video, too, where I was even asking you about it because it, it was, again, I was trying to comprehend how it would work in my head. With him coming up and, and grinding off the off the skid of the helicopter, so as he go, comes up the transition, come up, tap that, come back down, and I don't know how he was pushing through that rotor wash to get up into that. You know? So I, I mean, mean that speed, was, just power and speed to get there. That was the hardest thing for him is to know that the blades were yeah you know, right there, right there, <laughs> but that he had to come in as though he was jumping three times as high or four times as high. He had to come in with that speed, right. And uh, it was a really unique situation being on the, the quarter pipe. Um, Would I'm, you have had the time to pull away? I mean, yeah, if it looked like he was going towards the rotor system? If he's coming fast, yes, okay. absolutely. And, and because we were light on fuel and it's just me and the helicopter, it I would have responded. Been a, yeah, okay. in a skinny minute. That wouldn't have been an issue. Um, but, you know, to, to get through that block and I mean, I'm literally flying halfway in and halfway out of. Oh sure. Lift. Yeah. You know, uh, so I've got ground effect because I'm of half of the deck. And the oh, other that's right. the other half. So I'm pulling yeah. extra power. Yeah. And uh and now not only is the power being exerted down, it's a ramp. And it's bl- being blown all the way up his landing. 
So, I didn't even think about that. Sure. So just yeah. just to imagine what he has to do, he's dropping in off of an eight-story, <laughs> just picture it as an eight-story building, but it, you know he's coming down a ramp that's eight stories tall. He has to jump across a fifty-foot gap just to get to where I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just to get to the quarter pipe. <laughs> And so he would he would have to launch across the ramp, and he would already have wind in his face. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was impressive. That's to epic. Pull it off. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I mean, he pulled every single trick that we did within four tries. That's amazing. Four or five tries. That's at the amazing. Most. That's amazing. <laughs> it makes great videos. Just great videos. Yeah. That's awesome. And John, too, it looks like you were spot on. There's just a touch over thirty-four thousand licensed pilots in the 34? U.S. Thirty-four. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Small community. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a tiny community. community. I, I guarantee if we. Took that to commercial helicopter pilots, you know, whatever yeah. else. It's just it's minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, that's crazy. Yeah. So uh, what's next for John? Man, I don't know. I mean, I've I've got a couple different things I'm working on right now. I, I, uh, whatever you can talk about. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> even sure if I'm allowed to talk about the Chuck stuff right now. Uh, HAI is coming right now, and he's going to be doing a big release there. But uh, looks like there may be some uh, civilian aerobatics in the future. Very nice with helicopters, and uh, well, you know, great for air shows. When I say that, it, I mean that it's uh, not experimental. That it's being done in a normal court category helicopter. Oh wow! Okay. And. I'm not sure how that's going to play out. I was going to say, yeah. How uh, in the hell do you get that approved? He's he's working with FA pretty closely and and uh, in a Boca? Yes, yeah, yeah that, that will be it. And I, I believe he's going to have a signature series and some other stuff that I I really don't want to yeah, yeah, give no, away too I, much I because I know he's uh, is that the kind of the, the the benefit of um, having a non-experimental aircraft is to be able to sell them? Is um, that the idea? He, well, be able to sell them and use them. Uh, experimental, you're not supposed to have anybody that's not crew on it. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, yeah, you know, you that's might the have reg. those extra seats in the back and you can't use them. Yeah, yeah. good <laughs> so, point. And flying around Southern California, you know, going into LAX or Santa Monica and, you know, all these different airports is an experimental, uh, you know. Right. It can be a, a little bit more stringent than other spots. Yeah, yes. no, no kidding. As we know in the L-39, they're not real happy about a fighter jet coming in unannounced. <laughs> it used to be much more restrictive, actually, and they really kind of lifted that. Without that letter of authorization and such, which is kind of nice. Yeah. The um, are, are you happy then with the the layout of the Bocow and the I, at this point the 500 like we joked about you're gonna be buried in so that's not going anywhere. But yeah, you think the, you might transition out of the Bocow? I do. I, I think the uh, the 105 is gonna be limited for me uh, simply because I cannot put an inlet barrier filter on it. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. And and for me, I, I do fly out to the desert. I actually a lot of off road stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, even though I I live and I'm based at an airport. I uh, I land off airport probably just as frequently as I do on, and fodding. Well, up. whenever you leave Palomar, you're landing in dirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, just having those compressors and and fodding them out so easily uh, with that 105, yeah. it, it's it's too prohibitive. It seems like it almost sucks it in. Oh, I mean, I I, I just replaced my most recent <laughs> fodding, and uh, and I I bought a you know compressor with time left on it. And it was still sixty thousand dollars or whatever it is, you know, and, and that's, that's an for, expensive rock, man. That, that's for landing in the wrong spot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not right. Now so. they do have uh, filters for that, but they're just not STC'd, or you can't get them on the legally. You can't put them on the helicopter. Right? Yep, nothing for the Boco. Right. Yeah, the five hundred does, and you know, I, I could fly that thing into a sandstorm. Yeah, it, it wouldn't mind. So. so, what do you think you transition in to? I, I won't hold you to it. Yeah, I, I honestly, I really don't know because um, it's tough. I mean, because you, you have really essentially two helicopters that really fulfill most of your missions. Absolutely. Other than the fighting issue. Yeah, um, it, you know, my my family's getting a little bit older. My kids are uh, four years old now, and and they love coming out to fly. And 
and uh, have my parents and other family around. I, I would like extra seats. Right. Um, but, you know, that's that's me flying around my family, so I want to stay in a twin. And uh, it, I've had know. lots of engine failures, my friend. I always had another one. <laughs> I always had another one. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. <laughs> Even in a helicopter. Yeah. I mean, we can that's why the L-39 but... always had my full undivided attention, too, because that thing quits. You're going to hit the ground going 130 miles an hour, and it's going to hurt. Yeah. It's going to hurt. I don't care if you got the wheels down or not. It's going to be painful. Ugh. Man, yeah. it's amazing to see the way that L thirty nine comes back every now and then. You yeah. watch those Reno air races, and but that's the thing. I, that was just me. The airplane's rock solid. Yeah. I mean, rock solid. That's why even our mechanics like, no, shut up. It's, <laughs> it's fine. I know, but it's only got one motor. You're such a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that you know. So with the family on board, it's gonna be a twin. All right, uh, and in that twin market. You know, and once again, we go back to money, and uh, yeah. the the bocal is somewhat reasonable in, in price. And for me to replace that with anything else, it's going to be significant you know, amount of zeros attached to it. Yeah. Three to four times as much. <sighs> See, yeah. that's a tough. One. That's a tough. <laughs> you can rebuild that thing three or four times. Yeah, yeah before you get to that, <laughs> yeah, three or four times as much, and does it really do anything more? Or yeah. What? Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming out and talking to us. You know, helos, we don't get a lot of folks in here that know much about helos, so I appreciate you coming out and talking to us. And uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. We can talk about some, some, some stories that we're allowed to talk about. Cool, dude. Yeah. Thanks Thank for you. doing this. Appreciate it, John. <laughs> right on. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we actually have a dedicated email set up for uh, any comments, concerns, hate mail. You know, bring it. We don't mind. Uh, I know I say I'm a lot. I know I smack my lips. But by all means, anything else that you have to say, podcast at loft.arrow. That's podcast at loft.arrow, no.com, and uh, we will field your comments and respond accordingly.